0: Four runners, Mike the newbie, Wes and Alan the Young Bucks, Scott the master, come together to talk about everything running. At different stages of experience, they are brought together by a passion. Some may call it an obsession. Join us while we talk about track stories of battling it out with friendly competition, thoughts on ultra running, our current workouts, along with upcoming races, recaps, training tips, and more.
1: We ready to roll i There's think we're, we're going rolling. yeah so uh so obviously this time of year as cold as it's been too um injuries are a fact of life i know that a couple of people sitting around this table have injuries that they're dealing with right now myself i always feel like i'm injured at this point so yeah it <laughs> doesn't help but um the challenge is you know as runners we, we always want to be out there every day going at it and keeping our nose to the grindstone because, you know, it's a four-letter word, rest. We just don't want to take it. So, Alan, what is your injury right now? My
0: current injury is a hip flexor that uh, moved from an SI joint. So it was the SI joint and continued to run and do workouts while kind of working the SI Joined, but then... Well, less than 100% is what I'm getting? Yes, less than 100% for sure, um, to the point where I would have to go see the chiropractor the next day or so.
1: Really? Yep. So you would do a run and or a workout, and then a day or so later you'd have to go uh, get realigned? Just the workout. Um, the runs themselves
0: uh, had no toll. Yep. Yeah. It was the workouts. And But now you've gotten to the point where
1: the flexors have, have become the symptom the symptom and they hate me and they hate me (laughs) i hate me so uh mike i understand
2: you're dealing with an injury as well mine's from like last year yeah when i hurt my foot i was going to do the the uh midwinter and i had to not do it because i uh, fractured my toe and now that's bothering me again oh this time not as bad so i'm just wondering how i'm going to deal with that because i'm going to do it anyway you're, so you're going to
1: go anyway. It. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, And you just made a hand motion that you're going to wrap it up. So yeah. you'll be the guy running with a big gauze wrapped <laughs> yeah, around yeah. your running shoe. Is that uh, yeah. how we'll be able to pick you up?
2: Yeah. Once so. I get going, it goes away. But it's just that initial probably...
1: Everything always feels better when we're running, doesn't
2: it? Yeah. It just goes away. But it's <laughs> that. It's getting to the point where it goes away.
1: So, Alan, uh, let's go back to your hip flexors thing. Yeah. You, know, you and I talked on the phone um, the other night. And... I mentioned to you that the flexors are probably the symptom, right? You know, and as as we talked, you know, you had a, a fairly intensive fall schedule, starting with uh, 108 miles uh, in the end of August, beginning of September with the last man standing. Yep. And then you also ran New York. Correct. And didn't you run a marathon with a friend or something?
0: Uh, no, I paced the half. I the
1: paced, half marathon? Yeah. Okay. For, for Maine, and that was 130. So, in, and you say 130 like that's a slow time for you, so let's put things in perspective. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's sub seven minute pace. Yeah,
0: 640 um, something,
1: maybe? Yeah, something along that line. Pretty well put your body through the ringer for like 90 days in a <laughs> row is what it comes down to maybe yeah sure yeah maybe yeah 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 (laughs) do you want me to admit this Uh, no no because none of us admit when we've done things that probably were not the best in the best interest of our health in the long run Um, but i think this lends itself to the fact that as runners and i know speaking for myself whenever i was fit look i'm finding a race every 15 minutes if i can find it Right. You know, I'm running. I'm racing two or three times a weekend. I'm racing every weekend. I'm looking for races, and more. Probably more devastating is the fact that we're always doing workouts to get faster and faster. You know, so we're compiling it, piling on, and digging that hole so deep that we may never get out of it. So, what have you been doing to try and maintain some level of sanity? So, how long have you not been able to run? Feels like two months. It was probably. Two right.
0: and a half weeks. Two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks.
1: Right. Yeah. So I've tried running through it. I've tried now running through it. Define running through it. So, what is your normal training pace like this fall? Seven thirty to eight minute okay. miles. Seven thirty to eights, and a typical training run for you would be how long? At least six, probably. At least six, probably ten. Ten or right. eleven. Okay. Yeah. So six to ten, six to eleven miles, at seven forty-five pace. We'll we'll call it in the middle, right? Give or take. And that's yeah, probably on a little bit easier day. Yeah. That, so that's an easy day. Yeah. So now, when you have not been able to run, obviously you're not doing any of that. But when you were taking it easy, what was your easy day? When I'm hurt. You're when saying? you're hurt. Yeah.
0: Uh. Well. If it was by myself, it would be an 8.30 to 8.40. Sometimes I would try and run with friends, and they would push the pace down to 7.30s on me, and I would try and follow. Okay. And was that a good thing or a bad
3: thing? It was that one day it was good. With Adam, was that a good thing? No, that that was with you in Florida. Oh, right. That was an easy pace. Ish. well no it wasn't no
1: it wasn't. Okay. no it wasn't so and I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> that came up because after you told me about that I was thinking you know one of the challenges that we run into especially if we're semi-competitive or we're competitive at all is that when we get together with our peers or our running group um, everybody wants to be the alpha mm. Nobody wants to be the one left behind. So we all leave the parking lot or we head out on the run with all good intentions and we're all going to go easy, we're all going to chat, and we're all going to have a nice, comfortable run because Alan is, is aching a little bit or Wes is aching a little bit or Scott or Mike. Right? We're going to go easy for the guy that's, that's suffering a bit. Okay three and a half minutes into the run that's out the window and it's all hands on deck and we're pounding the shit out of each other trying to get the leg up. Does that sound pretty
0: close? Well, pretty close. Wes was also running a race the next day so I think
3: maybe in his mind he was in that race mindset. And we were also in 70 to 75 degree weather and it was nice out and not
1: negative 5 here so it
3: yeah, it upped your S- so and perfectly flat terrain. terrain. Yeah. yeah,
1: so your enthusiasm justifies the beating the shit out of your running partner. That's pretty ra- much what I just heard. He seemed fine on the run. He seemed fine. Well. well, you know what? We all learn how to mask pain because we don't want the guy catching us or we're passing to know that we're suffering just as much as them. So, all kidding aside, yeah.
0: mask pain. But also, um, to his defense, um, it loosens up throughout the run, and then. I notice it at the end of the run or later
1: that day. As it, as
3: it I noticed with Alan, as he's the first mile, it's more of like a hobble run. Like his, it's
1: kind of step- like a Scott
3: run. But then as, but then as he gets going, it's more it's, it's, fluid. Did, oh, he looks great, doesn't yeah.
1: he? Yeah. And then he gets to the end and he looks hobbled again. Just like, so he, he, he migrates to and from the Scott run. Looks like hell. Oh, looks semi-okay. And then looks <laughs> like hell again. Am I pretty much nailing it? hundred <laughs> percent. So I think one of the challenges is that, you know, as runners, we have a perception as to what is work and how much work do we need to do and how do we maintain our fitness level when we are hurt? you know and and I have struggled with it for 40 years now. What is easy? How do I get over it? And one of the one of the concessions that I have made over the last, 10 or 11 years, give or take, is the fact that I recognize I'm not bright enough when I go out on the road to go slow enough to allow myself to really take an easy run. Hmm. So the only way I can do that now, for all intents and purposes, is getting on the treadmill. Which is what you advised. You know, so so I talked to you the other night, and I, I made a suggestion. I assume you gave
0: that a go. I have the past two days, yep, since we talked. And? So you had even said, you know, try to go six miles per hour. I couldn't even get up to that where it would feel like there was some pressure or tightness in the um, hip flexor. So I was down to like five, six, but just getting that blood like you explained it, blood flowing to that um, area and then after do the stretching so i had before yoga i'd went in 10 15 minutes early got on the treadmill kind of activated that
1: that muscle and then did this long stretching got so. the stretches and stuff yeah so one of the things that we talked about was the fact that the hip flexors are the symptom and we tend to justify our workouts and our runs and this and that because it didn't feel that bad once I got going not recognizing that yeah once you got going you got the blood flow and the heart pumping and you get the oxygen going through there and everything is loosened up but you're still not necessarily helping the weak link in the chain and I say that because the weak link is obviously there is an area probably the lower leg uh, the upper legs or the lower back That is creating the stress, causing the hip flexors to be the symptom that creates the issue. Right. So that's where the pain is located. But it's probably emanating from someplace else that is either weak or out of place. Yeah,
0: to that point, uh, it was the SI joint that was weak previously. And, you know, I did the workout on a treadmill. There was no issue with the hip flexor previously. Um, I was always worried about the SI joint, rolling that out with the trigger point ball and going to the chiropractor. And then I did that workout, SI joint felt okay, and then ever since then it's been the hip flexor. So obviously that hip flexor had been probably overcompensating because of the SI joint, low back, whatever it was that was weak. And now there was the
1: issue there. So the other thing we talked about the other night when, uh, when you brought this to my attention it was the fact that uh, over the last, uh, I'm going to say it's six to eight weeks, uh, you've been putting a fairly high degree of focus on core development. Correct. You know, doing planks and the crunches and... Mason you know, twists. You know, a lot of that stuff. So now you've created a much different core strength and lower back strength than previously, Um, which could create another tension point, you know, for those flexors, if they weren't impinged, or if they were compromised previously. Now what you've done is you've taken all the muscles that lead down to them and said, okay, hang on, because I am going to be Hercules. (laughs) And now the, the, the flexors are hanging in the middle and the quads and the hamstrings and everything down below are thinking, okay, how the hell are we going to keep up? Yeah. And the flexors are in the middle thinking, oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> this isn't going to be good. So it, it, that's what it sounds like has occurred. How do we know when
3: to run through an injury and when to stop? Because when I had my IT band issue, I would go f- I'd walk around fine, do everything fine around the house. I'd go for a mile run, get a mile in, and I had to stop like the pain was so bad and then you know I'd hobble home and I Jessica my cousin who's a PT she said you need to stop running for a few weeks and she did some stuff to it she did ultrasound she did some she gave me some stuff to do strength training like a a foam roller and stuff like so how do you know when to stop training stop running and do other stuff or run through it. Well, and I think it's all
1: personal decisions. I, I don't know that there's a one answer that can say, okay, when you get to this point, stop. Because everybody's that point is a different point. Right. Okay. I always found that if it didn't get worse during the run, you know, so I'd get out there, I'd get warmed up, get going. If it got to the discomfort level, and everybody's discomfort level is different. But it, right. once it got to that discomfort level, if I didn't go beyond that, then I could go and I could run, you know, three miles, five miles, whatever it happened to be, then I'm good with that. And then whatever sort of recovery activities I was engaging in, whether it's a foam roller or a stretching or ice or, you know, hot bath or, you know, cases of beer, whatever it happened <laughs> to be, then I would I would – go through that routine afterwards, and then if it was worse the next day, then obviously I've I've got to change my approach. So it was always very much a a fluid type of decision point to say, okay, it feels good now, I can get to this point, and, you know, um, I can't go to five miles. I can go four, but I can't go to five. Because I've had
3: some plantar fasciitis recently, and it's gotten way better. I pretty much don't have it anymore. But like you said, it was to the point where it was painful to wake up in the morning, painful to walk, but as you got moving, it was better. In the run, it started off painful, but you could get through it. Right. But the IT band issue, that was, to me, a different case. So it, it's <laughs> definitely very, you got to kind of weigh it. And, and usually yeah, what, I, what I
1: do and what I used to do is um, I would go for a certain period of time, and if I wasn't feeling like I was making progress fitness-wise, Okay, so I've got a race coming up, or I'm getting, you know, trying to work myself into some sort of level of fitness that I could be competitive or whatever. If I wasn't making progress after two to three or four weeks of the injury, then I would just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to stop. I'm going to do other activities, or I'm just going to rest until X date. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I'm going to wait you know, seven days or five days. Or in some cases, what I would do is if I had discomfort walking around, you know, so my foot hurts, my leg hurts, my knee hurts, whatever it is. If I got to a day where that didn't bother me, I would go one more day. And if it didn't bother me on the second day, I'm out at it. Right. (laughs) Which is the tough part because you just got to the point where you weren't hurting all the time. And now you're, you're dumbass, you're going out there and you're doing it again.
0: Well, that's exactly where I was at, where you know I've been two and a half weeks out, so I tried to run through it. I, you know, I'd have a day where it felt
3: good, so you get that inch and then you take a mile. That, and,
0: well, that's it, and that's <laughs> it.
3: Well, with him, when I did the race, I did a warm-up and a cool-down. He did the warm-up with me, did some of the cool-down with me. But in between my race, as I was on my race, he ran with Eliza. And how many miles total did you do? Ten that day, I can get through you know I mean?
0: it,
1: but it's not comfortable. Well, see, and I and I think this is this is where each individual's decision point is different. You know, yeah, you hit it right on the head. I can get through it, but it's not comfortable. Right. Okay, well, that is the runner's ode. You know, right. well, it's not that bad because we're trying to justify the fact that we want to go out there and run. It would be
0: different if um, I wasn't preparing to go into boston training if i was just hurt you know maybe during the summer or something i probably would still try and work through it and run and just get in a couple miles but where i want to be able to hit workouts at certain paces i want to be
3: healthy for that so that's where i'm taking the time off i think a lot of that's endorphins we we wake up in the morning and that's what we want to do, we think about our run the whole entire day. Right. If we don't get it, we're depressed. Like we need those
1: endorphins to keep our sort of sanity. To keep up. to keep everything going, to keep our persona, to keep our perspective of life. Ego. But yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's and look, believe me, I, I get it. But I think this is where, if we had coaches, who was that objective voice on our shoulder saying, okay, dumbass, this is it. You're going to stop. You're not going to do anything for five days. And then on the sixth day, this is what you're going to do. 21 days from today, you will be able to put your running shoes back on and start again. I think what it is is we all have a thought or a feeling that we're different, that we're different. This is me, though. (laughs) This is me. And that's right. So, no, I'm different. You know, I'm not like everybody else. Well, we are like everybody else. We may have a higher pain tolerance. We may have a higher discomfort tolerance. But we're no different than anybody else. And if you
3: you can't run, then you get sort of down in the dumps. And it reflects on your, you know, sort of life. And it, it can be sort of depressing in a way. Because so, Allen wanted to run that half, correct, and then he was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, bail out," and you know, it. Yeah. It's it hard. was the first race I ever had to not line up for,
0: correct, because of being injured. Because of
1: being injured, so but so think about it this way though: if you had a coach, or you had somebody, even if you looked in the mirror and that was that somebody, and you said to them, or they said to you, "You are not going to run for ten days." You can go to the race and go to the race to support Wes, to support your friends or this and that. What would have happened? The pressure's off. Right, yeah. You have an external... A, the, the pressure, not... That's exactly right. Yeah. The pressure's off. And that's where we suffer as runners because we don't have that objective voice in on either one of our shoulders. We've got the devil on both shoulders saying, oh, it's not that bad. Suck it up, <laughs> Sally. And, you know, get out there and do it. And I think that's where the the difference is in that um, when you start to slide into that depression, it's because you're not meeting your expectation. Your expectation is, I'm going to go out and run today. So because you didn't set a realistic expectation, you're depressed Mm -hmm. because you didn't meet a goal. Whereas if you had said on Sunday night, look, I suffered today. My 10 mile run, my 12 mile run, I just, I was uncomfortable all day. It's been this way for three weeks. Okay, I'm not going to run again until next Sunday. And then I'm going to try and go three miles. If you did that and you held yourself to that, would you be as depressed? Probably not. No. No. Because you've set the expectation to say, okay, I'm going to wait until this heals up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and suffer. I'm going to let myself heal and see what happens next week. And then next week I'll be at the next decision point Right. to say, okay, wow, that felt good. I'm going to go three miles again tomorrow, or or I'm going to wait a day and I'm going to see how I feel. That's where the the issue is. It's not that the running, not being able to run is is depressing. It's the expectation that we were going to be able to run because we (laughs) set a false goal that everybody does.
3: This has, not really an injury, but in December of um, 2014, I had my appendix out, and it was five days before Christmas. And I was supposed to go to Ellsworth, run with a bunch of friends, do a long run, and go to an ugly Christmas sweater party. But that came to a screeching halt very fast. So I had to Because you s- didn't want to
1: go to the party to out your appendix, or? Well, I couldn't, I yeah. was- Oh, is that what it was? I was, was? having okay. surgery, so you so just, It wasn't a separation anxiety no. or anything, okay.
3: so. You know, you're in the hospital, getting prepped to go into surgery, and you're mad because, you're not mad because you're having the surgery, you're mad because you can't run, you can't do the stuff you want to do, and then you had to wait at least two weeks before you could do any physical activity. So, two weeks came, I decided to go for a run, and I turned around and came back, because I was, like, not ready for it. So, it took me three weeks to run, and that's, that's hard. That, and it, that's the first time that I had to not, you know, you can run through an injury, you can get through it. But that was the first time that
1: I legit could not run. Right. And it's, it's tough. Uh, look, I've had enough, I've had so many times over the course of the last 40 years <laughs> that I haven't been able to run due to injury and, and various other factors that I, I get it. But I also found that I was usually depressed or frustrated because my expectation was that I was going to be able to. Mm-hmm. And if I had set a realistic expectation or if I had listened to my doctors or if I had listened to my coaches, you know, it would have been a different deal. And yeah. like you like you said, you have
3: expectations and, you know, Alan or my expectations are Mike's. You know, we wanna go run a sub three hour marathon. But sometimes you just have to be thankful that you can even run. Like we're not debilitated. We can still get out
1: there. We can still have fun, be with people. And that's a valid point because most people's shortcomings, for example, in the marathon, is not because they weren't prepared. It's because they didn't get to the starting line healthy. Very few people that I know actually go into a marathon underprepared. Most of them have gone over the top mm-hmm. and they're exhausted, they're overtrained, they're stressed, and they get to those last two to three weeks and I got a cold, I got some shin splints, you know, my knee started to act up, you know. Jesus, I got the flu, and oh, you know, I just got all achy and well that those are all symptoms of over overtraining. And <clears throat> I think it's it's a tendency that we get into because, again, we get competitive. We start to feel good. We start to run faster. Faster is better. Better is better. I'm going to rock this. This is going to be my day. This is my Olympic marathon. I, I am <laughs> king of the world. This is going to be it. Oh, shit, I'm hurt. And that's where the understanding that there are alternative activities – that you can do that will allow you to sustain the level of fitness that you currently have and even improve it while you're not able to do your favorite activity. So let's let's talk about that
0: because um, that's something that I'm kind of struggling at. So I have, even though I've been not able to run, so I'm like okay well I work on my core or something. I still find it hard like when I'm, in a, when I'm ready and in a training cycle, I can get up at 4 in the morning, and I can go out for a 10, 12-mile run, but it, it's the life of me. I can get up at 6.30 now, maybe because I'm drinking more beer in the evening. But Is that to compensate for your injury? It helps
1: yeah, it's, it's wash it
0: away. Yeah. By the way, we're drinking Shipyard uh, Deep Devil tonight, most of us. Yeah. Not brown, me.
1: Brown ale. So, Shipyards from Portland, Maine? So, yeah. So, to your point, when you are not able to do uh, your preferred activity, is it? it is difficult to sustain the same focus and drive to the alternative to running, in this case. You know, to go to the gym and stand on that elliptical machine for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or 60 minutes, whatever it is, to ride that... God damn bicycle! Get you know <laughs> sore ass for you know twenty minutes, thirty minutes. You know those those tasks are a challenge. They're tasks, yeah, and, and they are they're <laughs> tasks because that's not what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Because again, we haven't wrapped our heads around this is what I need to do. So. I think one of the first things that when you start to get injured and you're dealing with injuries and you're dealing with a lack of ability to get out there and do what you really want to do at the paces and efforts that you really want to do them, is you have to recognize that this is going to be a short-term issue unless you refuse to accept that it's a short-term issue. The sooner you wrap your head around the fact that okay, this is only going to be for a week. I'm going to do this for two weeks. You set a time frame, set an expectation, just like you do with your running goals. Okay, I'm going to get in 60 miles this week. I'm going to get in 40 miles, whatever it happens to be. I'm going to run 20 miles this week. Whatever that objective is, you have to use that same logic when you look at what the alternatives are. The feedback physically and mentally is not the same. Not a chance. But... You will actually be fitter and more prepared for the running activity at the end of it if you approach it with a systematic and sane attempt to get through it.
3: What about you, Mike? Your foot's injured. How are you going to, you said you're going to tape it, but are you, during your day, does your foot bother you or is it only when you run?
2: Um, No, it bothers me during the day a little bit. Mostly, if I do yoga, it seems to stretch it wrong. Stretching it wrong. So, so I don't know exactly.
1: So, uh, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable <laughs> with you telling me which pose <laughs> is, uh, is stretching it wrong, but I'm going uh, to guess it has something to do with flexing the toe and yeah. bending the foot Yeah, it's uh, in the- and stretching the lower arches and, and, and that. If you go in the other direction, it's probably not as painful,
2: but maybe right. a little bit. I mean, it'll be fine I and mean, it just it goes away but I keep irritating it like I'll do something that will just make it happen again yeah so, yep, yep. You know, I just had to stop doing that
1: well and, and I think that the other thing is too is that if you really take a couple of minutes and you think about the activities that you're going to that you have the opportunity to do okay so I think we're all members of, of uh, planet fatness mm-hmm. and yep. uh we can go over there and you've got elliptical machines, you've got the arc trainers, you've got the recumbent bicycles, you've got the treadmills, you've got the stair climbers. So there's there's all sorts of cardiovascular alternatives that you can use to sustain the so-called fitness that we all have. The only one that is really going to create an impact and cause a strain to your toe. your foot issue right now. Yep. Is the treadmill. Sure. Right yep. So you got three or four other alternatives. Yep. That are going to allow you to go over there. Work up a sweat. Generate the oxygen flowing to the muscles. And creating you know, the endorphins. That we're all longing to see. That's now, key. I, are we going to be able to stay on those goddamn machines long enough? No. But if you determine that okay i want to stay on it for 20 minutes and then i'm going to go on the bicycle for 10 minutes and then i'm going to go on the arc trainer for 15 minutes okay now all of a sudden you got 45 to 60 minutes of workout in yep. and you've broken it up and it's in its doable pieces it's incremental fitness upgrades that you're dealing with without impacting the foot
2: right I've been mostly, like, right now, just doing, like, a lot of, like, legs and abs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just just to strengthen that, because I know that's one of my weak points is I don't have very strong legs. So what legs. are you doing to strengthen your legs? Just the weight training stuff at the gym at work. Like what? So, like, um, lunges, some mm-hmm. squats. Um, is it leg extensions Yes. this way? Leg extensions yeah, leg and then curls. The one with curls. Yep. Yeah, those.
1: Yep. Answering curls. Yep. Yeah. All stuff that we should be doing anyway, to yeah. a point, whether it's you know, on pieces of equipment at the gym or body weight stuff.
3: Sometimes I feel when you when you're injured, you're obviously not gonna be able to train at the level you're at. So even if you're doing like you said, the bicycle, the elliptical, so you're you know, get a cross train, that's that's you know, good because if he has a foot injury and he runs on the treadmill yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be gonna make it worse
1: correct so but one of the things that you're going to keep in mind though is let's let's assume you decide that okay i'm not going to do any running for two weeks i'm going to elliptical and stair climb and recumbent bicycle and arc train i'm going to do all those goddamn activities for for two weeks so i'm not going to lose any fitness so now what's gonna happen is, okay, two weeks go by and you're gonna jump on the treadmill or you're gonna head out for your run and you're gonna go at the same perceived effort that you did when you were hurt. And that is the mistake that most of us make because we still are not addressing the weak link. Right. The weak link is your foot is gonna bend, you're gonna go to push off and you're gonna create that same stress that you just spent two weeks trying to recover from. right? Hip flexors, you're gonna go out and you're gonna go out at eight minute pace and then you're (laughs) gonna warm up and it's gonna be 7.30s and you're gonna say, wow, I feel really good, I'm fresh, my legs are bouncy, I'm good to go. And now all of a sudden 7.30s become 7.15s, 7.10s and you're gonna get back and everything's gonna have tightened up again. So one of the things that you have to do is There is a rule of thumb. For every day that you are not capable of training normally, you want to allow yourself two days to come back up to speed. So Mm. let's assume you take two weeks off from your running activity. In order to come back at a reasonable pace, you're going to take four weeks to get back to where you were
2: two weeks before that. Does that make sense? Uh, I
1: don't like that. I know you don't,
2: I, and I, most of us don't. It, but like it, it, oh, sorry, it, no. it, does because last year I was wanted to do the ten miler, and I thought, but I was out with my foot for like weeks, and then when I ran my first race, it was awful again. It was like it was starting over again. Correct. And it was, it was awful. It
1: was, it was horrible. So, and again, because we we get out there, we get a couple of good runs in, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And now we're back out there re-stressing everything that we just recovered from. So, if you take two weeks off, give yourself four weeks to build back up to what your training level was when you took the two weeks off.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And slow it down.
2: No, I don't have to worry about slowing this. Well, yeah. But you, but you do. And <laughs> you, you do. know, and it's yeah. funny, well, and, I'm, I'm, you've I said
1: that a number of times, yeah. and, and yeah. we've laughed about it and this and that, but... I've talked to a number of people over the last you know, year or so as I've come back from my latest hip uh, surgery. And one of the things that I came to realize is that I use that treadmill as my stupid stop. Because if I go out on the roads, I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. Because I'm gonna run too goddamn hard and I'm <laughs> gonna get hurt again. But if I go on the treadmill I'm only going to go at what I allow myself to go, and I don't need to go 300 miles an hour on the treadmill. First off, I'd probably fall off. I'd go out the back end, and i <laughs> end up against the wall, and nobody would ever find me, okay? But if I head out onto the road and I run, I am literally two and a half to three minutes faster As an average run on the road, then I set the treadmill at. Mm -hmm. And what it allows me to do when I run the treadmill that slow is that I'm working on where I'm landing on my foot. I'm working on my posture. I'm working on my, you know, am I putting my foot down? Am I following through? Is my cadence good? Is, you know, I'm working on all the little things that you don't work on when you get out there and you're working on trying to get through the run. You and know? Also, also when you're on a road,
3: it's not flat like a treadmill. It's Correct. Curved. So if you're having hip joint problems and
1: or all anything. that stuff, yep. it's going to mess it up even more. Correct. So the treadmill, and you know, as, as we get near wrapping this up, so on the treadmill, 2% is considered the leveler. So when you set the treadmill at two percent, that's similar to running outside on the roads flat. That's the compensation. With the wind and yeah, you you know, the with, belt pushing yeah, you, yeah. And so the two percent, two and a half percent, that's that kind of balances it yeah. out. So now you're you're getting similar to what you're gonna get for feedback out on the road. Okay. Okay. Um, and again, if you go much, much slower. So that it's just I'm cruising along. You can enjoy it, and more importantly, you're creating a fitness space aerobically that you're not going to create outdoors because you're going to run much harder. As a as a resource to people,
0: um, I use hillrunner.com uh, forward slash calculator. They actually have um, an equivalency. Yep. As to what percent and. And What it what it translates, what to, it, what it it translates to. to? Yep. 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 So whenever setup. I do a workout on uh, a treadmill, yep. I try and you know reference that at least to give me some kind of idea, uh, at least a
1: starting point. Yep. Um, and those are pretty accurate. They've done enough testing and this and that, so that you know when you look at those comparisons and those equivalent charts, they will get you in the correct area. To be comfortable so that you can go out and, and you know at least be close to what you expected to be right and out
0: of the um, tables that I've tried to find uh, this hillrunner.com has been probably the the closest yep. and um, most in-depth
3: yeah so but they have proven they've had people that have done full marathon cycles and they've only trained on a treadmill so if you do it correctly you can adequately train for whatever you're doing, getting through an injury or training for a 5K, a
1: half. It seems to me, and you know, I'll, I'll be doing a Google search when I uh, bring this up. <laughs> there was a woman from Alaska, and I want to say it was in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. All she could do was training on the treadmill. Because of the temperatures? Because, yeah, the, the conditions and the temperatures and everything along that lines. And it seems to me that she was an Olympic trials qualifier. Wow. You know, by doing her workouts on the treadmill. There was
0: someone else, um, you know, an elite that uh, trained exclusively
1: on the treadmill. And that was in the marathon. I don't know if I said that. A hot day on the course, the Alaskan runner shaved seven minutes off her PR to win the 2000 Women's Olympic Marathon Trials. But according to her coach, John Clark, no relation. Her run in Columbia wasn't really such a surprise. After just eight weeks of working together, the team of players assessed Twin Cities Marathon had placed third Then PR. She came back and she wanted to run seven minutes faster. Seven now, minutes off her marathon PR? It's now part of running lore how Chris Clark trained for the trials on a treadmill, unknowingly acc- acclimating herself to the hot conditions in South Carolina oh, while nice. she lived in Alaska. So she probably had her temperature yeah. in her house warmer yeah. so, and trained yeah, in it. so it was a matter of necessity. Winter in Alaska isn't like anywhere in the lower 48. <laughs> she would do her, her runs on the treadmill. So mm-hmm. the treadmill can be your friend whether it's for full training purposes and or recovery training purposes. And I think that's the thing you gotta keep in mind. Mm. It's a means to an end. None of us like it. You find your way to get through it. Mm -hmm. Just like you find your way to get through the recumbent bicycle, the elliptical, or any of these other opportunities and alternatives to the running. Um, But if you train to the weak link and you allow that the weak link is going to keep you from progressing then you'll have much, much better success on the comeback trail.
0: Fill us in on your roller coaster of injury.
1: <laughs> roller coaster would be a uh, would be a kind way of putting it. So, since probably uh, 2001, 2002, uh, I was training for another Boston, and I had a herniated bowel. So I had a fatty tissue that wrapped itself around my bowel. No idea. I got up, I had just run, I had run the next, it was like New Year's Day or the day after or something like that. I ran a great um, 12 mile, 14 mile run out across Lane Road here in Lewiston. And uh, was really fit, was looking forward to it, was looking to run, you know, something in the uh, mid-230s again. And at that point, I was age uh, 43, 44, something like that. And uh, I got up, went to the gym one morning, and came back home here, and just wasn't feeling good when I came home. I got to the gym, just didn't feel right. Came home, two hours later, ambulance picked me up. I was doubled over in pain. They uh, they did emergency surgery, cut me open, found the uh, the wayward strand of fat that had wrapped itself around my bowel, and. Uh, they cut it and uh, according to my surgeon, the next morning when I woke up with tubes coming out of places that I didn't really, <laughs> really want tubes coming out of, um, she said, uh, yeah, you were probably within an hour or so of uh, being all done. When you were talking about your appendix, that was me Where I was walking, uh, walking our dog uh, Molly on the uh, the Bates pond across the street. They said, yeah, you're probably going to be four to six weeks before you can do any running." So. About a week after I got home, I was over there trying to jog. <laughs> it was a little uncomfortable, but, you know, I got through it. Had my first, uh, had my left hip replaced in 2006, I believe it was. And ran okay. Had a lot of Achilles problems and this and that because I was doing an awful lot of cycling at that time as an alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2000 and I think it was 2012, I had uh, meniscus surgery on my right knee. Got that cleaned up, came back from that four weeks later, ran the Thanksgiving 4-miler. And uh, then in 2016, I believe, at the end of January, we're coming up on the three-year anniversary, I think it is, uh, where they replaced my left hip a second time. I'd worn the first one out and uh, had struggled for about six months being able to walk and lay down and sit and all that fun stuff. So Couldn't get out of your car? Couldn't get out of my car, so I, I would get out of my car. I'd have to lay down in the parking lot and let <laughs> things relax a little bit, roll over, and I could walk around and stand for a little bit. So. Some of the methods that you tried were rolfing, I remember. I, I did the rolfing, and uh, yeah, I um, went down and did that and endured that. They thought, you know, that seemed to help a little bit, and uh you know, I don't know if it was so much that the thing helped, but the fact that when it stopped, it felt so much better. Uh, you know, so hey, there's been a, a few odds and ends that I've I've dealt with over the past few years, but I feel good right now. Had some plantar last year. was feeling pretty good going into uh, last summer and had some plantar. But I, I think what it's it is is we
0: have that type A personality where you yeah. have to, I mean, at what point... Where you're like, okay, I'm injured and I need to... Because you're giving all this advice, but then how hard is it to take it? Like you said, if you have a coach, then you take all that
1: pressure off. Well, and I think that's one of the things that I have learned over the last couple of years is that I, I have recognized when it is counterproductive to go out and run. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the treadmill comes in. That's where my elliptical comes in. That's where my alternatives... Um, of all of the activities that I do, you know, that's where those those take up the space. Yeah, They're not the same, which right. is why I've migrated back to running and working on wearing out my second hip, third <laughs> hip, actually, technically, because I wore the first one out. <laughs> the original nerve. I broke the second one, so, yeah, so...
2: What? Rolfing?
1: Rolfing. So, rolfing is uh, massage to the nth degree. So think of it this way, you go to get a massage, yeah. you pay somebody for, you know, an hour's massage, and you know, they kind of rub you, and they you know, and you get a tender spot, well, the difference between massage and rolfing is they find the tender spot when they're massaging, oh, okay, we're going to work away from that, we just don't want to traumatize it, rolfing says, ah, here we go,
2: <laughs>
1: and they dive in, okay. and they dive in with heels, elbows, thumbs, whatever... Tool they can use, whether it's attached to their body or not, <laughs> to create tension at that point and create a trigger release. Uh-huh. It's like it's a so trigger it's, point it's, ball, it's, but it's basically like, yeah. accelerated. Probably. Yeah, okay. it's it's basically trigger point therapy. Okay. So what you're doing is you're cutting off the muscle. You're creating a reaction in the body to say, "Okay, stop," and I'll let go. Okay. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. So no, it doesn't make sense. Well, no, that what you said
2: says makes sense, why it's called rolfing. Yeah. No yeah but,
1: it makes you want to roll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when you were getting this
0: treatment, I, I think I recall you saying that your hip was, or the ball, maybe, the joint was... Oh, like, the cup. It was, it was at was a moving. different angle. Yeah, the cup it, was moving. There were, so, Yeah. to whatever point that you were doing this
1: yeah. treatment, there was... But it, you,
0: you were maybe too stubborn to. Uh, no, no, help? because
1: no, because we we had uh, I had gone to a therapist. We you know I was doing all the things that you needed to do. Okay. And at that point, we did not have the inclination that the cup had come free and was actually floating. Mm. So and that's what ended up being the cause of the issue was the fact that the cup had had uh, the serrations in the outer part of the cup that was placed in my hip. Those serrations had broken free. So now the cup was shifting. So every time I stood or anything, the cups remained stable. But when I took my weight off it, i.e. sitting in a chair or, you know, doing anything along those lines, it allowed it to move. Mm. And when it moved, it created the pinch. Mm. Was both your surgeries full hip replacement or partial? No, No, the first one was what was called at the time uh, uh, resurfacing. And what that did is they did not cut the femur, they simply shaved it, put the cup on the top, and then put the put the, put the cap on the top of the femur, and the cup in the, uh, the hip. Do you think
3: that was a good choice yes, at the it time? Was, it was, it the was the right choice at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was the right
1: choice at the time. And then when they put the new hip in, it was a traditional post and, and ball, mm-hmm. and uh, this cup they screwed in. I think they screwed it all the way up to my neck, <laughs> <laughs> thinking, okay, this is not going to go well if we do anything less than this. So, um, yeah, they put three screws to anchor it in this time. Mm. So, What did you do to
0: keep sane during those times, other than
1: beer? I don't know that I stayed sane. Okay. I don't, yeah, I really don't. No. I, I, I think. That's a valid know, point. And, and, you know, one of the things that you get used to on a day-in and day out basis, basis is uh, discomfort. So when you're mm. in constant pain, true, you, you find a way to get through it, and it becomes normal. When that pain goes away, the energy that you put into that pain consideration is now available for other activities.
0: Hmm.
1: And your perspective gets better. You know, you're no longer as short. Doesn't mean that I'm not short with people, but... Um, just means that i don't i'm not being uncomfortable all the time and your psyche allows you to feel better absolutely about what's going on well the days when i was
0: hurt and you know even though it wasn't good that i was running with friends just the knowledge that later that day i had a a, a run lined up with a friend Maybe that much more cheery or happy or less yep. on edge because I know that I have been on edge because
1: yeah you and have these and I think that's valid because it's something to look forward to this is this becomes part of you this becomes you know in some cases this becomes your identity you know this is what you recognize yourself as and this is what you feel that others recognize you as and in order to sustain that there is a certain amount of that activity you have to acquire on a day-in and day out basis to reinforce it. Otherwise, you start to drift into a dark hole. Absolutely. And what our listeners need to know is,
3: even if you're doing everything right in your training plan and you run normally, you still might get injured. Yeah. And you can't blame yourself. You can't say, well, I should have done this, I should have done that. No. Like, for Alan, like, he didn't really... The only thing maybe
1: for his oh, so, thing. okay, wait, stop. No. So <laughs> Alan could have done a lot of things differently. So <laughs> let's not use Alan as the target here. <laughs> but your point is well yeah. taken. You know, you can do a lot of things correctly and still get injured. Right. Yeah, I'm here for a reason. I know. Yeah, that. you are. Yeah, there's no question. And it's funny because we talked about it yeah. in the fall. And when you said you were running New York, I was like, oh, okay, maybe. So, <laughs> it's it's uh which is tough too because again
3: as a podcast
0: type, so i probably shouldn't tell you my upcoming races yeah right? i probably should
3: no. yeah we should shut the
0: podcast off we this. well there you have it that was our most recent podcast hope you enjoyed it and thanks for listening we have many more topics in the pipeline so be sure to subscribe to get our latest tale from the long run please feel free to comment and let us know
2: your thoughts